Denver brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he calls it too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He, he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many, and so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Mental mistake. Mental mistake. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of No Timeouts. I'm here with Tashawn. Uh, what's this, your third, fourth time on here? Had to do an emergency, well, semi-emergency podcast after the latest news that dropped. Um, we already have some plans to do a podcast talking about trades, and then a real trade happened. So we had no choice but to hop on um, and just share our thoughts. I, I, what's going on, Tashawn? I'm good, man. I was I was a little bit concerned about you. I didn't know if you was going to make it to the recording. How are you feeling? You all right at this, at this trade window? Oh, I mean, I'm good. I actually am not really upset about it at all. I would have liked – I mean, we'll, I guess we'll just get right into it. So, DeJounte Murray, obviously I'm a Spurs fan, just got traded to the Hawks um, for, what, I think three or four first-round picks and a three first-round picks and a, and a pick swap. Uh, next year, 2023, Charlotte Hornets first-rounder, which is pretty protected. Uh, as long as the Hornets miss the playoffs, then we don't get it. We being the Spurs, if they make it, then you get the pick in the 20s or wherever it is. Uh, so that's kind of in the air. Then they have the Hawks 2025 pick unprotected, 2027 unprotected, and then a 2026 pick swap, which is essentially kind of like having their pick unprotected, assuming they're worse than you. So, oh, and Nil Gallinari for like contract purposes. So um, I guess I'll start on the Spurs side. I will say that the idea of trading DeJounte Murray that doesn't really upset me at all. Um, if anything, I would have liked this sort of thinking a lot earlier, you know, like maybe when we had LaMarcus Aldridge and his first had LaMarcus Aldridge, I would have liked to see him get traded. Uh, you know, I would have liked to see Kawhi get traded maybe a little earlier than they tried to drag it on, you know. So the idea of trading your best player, especially when you're not, a contender. I think with Kawhi, they were a contender. That was a little different. But in general, you're not a contender. Like, this team wasn't going to be, you know, maybe an eight seed. Maybe. I feel like at best, with the current roster, you know, maybe an eight seed. And that's assuming DeJounte Murray gets better and all these young guys get better as well. So, I'm not mad at not wanting to be in the middle of the NBA. Like, I feel like you either need to be at the top or you need to be at the bottom in terms of trying to either rebuild it's hard to be in the middle some teams do it like the Raptors for example then you make one trade and now you're a contender for a little while you know but I think that's also a little different for them because when they were in the middle they were still making the playoffs it's harder when you're like scraping to just make the playoffs you know I mean look at the like Charlotte Hornets for example you know they're always the look at the Pacers like there are just some teams that are always just kind of in that range of never getting a, a really good pick or never really going far in the playoffs. So I understand not wanting to be in that middle. I under, also understand not wanting to pay DeJounte Murray a max. That max is coming. He made the all-star game as well. That max is coming. It's going to be probably five years, 200 million for DeJounte Murray. I'm not sure if he's worth that. Like, where would you rank DeJounte Murray amongst point guards or players right now? I would say, like, point guard-wise, like, fringe top 10. Maybe not fringe after the season he had last year. I, I guess you got to – you know, it depends whether you're, you're a guy that, that goes off of, you know, 
the most recent season or, or more of a body of work ranking, but I think he's like a pretty good player, um, but I, I'm not sure he, if he's ever going to turn into being a great player, which I think is, you know, the reasoning that leads to this. I mean, it's, you know, this trade is pretty indicative of like the modern NBA of like either, you know, you're trying to stack stars or you're, you're trying to bottom out and tank and get one of the, the top prospects in the upcoming draft. And I think it's just kind of startling to see with the Spurs because they've, they haven't really ever done this, I don't think, in their, their history. I mean, even when they got Tim Duncan, it was because David Robinson got injured. It wasn't like they were like purposely trying to suck, you know, so like. Especially well, they pod. well they tried to suck for that one year, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like they just yeah. kind of fell into it. But I will say, I will say that although obviously trading your best player isn't necessarily something that's going to improve your team when you're not really getting any players back, and that's the thing that bothered me a little is I would have liked to seen them get like a young player back, not just picks, because uh, there's a chance that none of these picks even become top ten picks. You know, if the Hawks stay good for the next five years, which is very possible. You know, I guess it's possible they aren't, I guess, but it's very possible they are. Probably I would bet that they are a playoff team through 2027 or close to there, you know. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like I would have liked to see the player. But ultimately, I do think that there are some young guys on the Spurs who haven't really gotten enough playing time, enough opportunity to wear that if you increase their roles, like I'm looking at a Devin Fussell, for example, um, maybe a Keldon Johnson, um, you know, they just drafted three rookies. And I, and I realized that when they drafted three rookies and they didn't trade any of those picks and they actually kept all those guys and signed all those guys, I said, okay, with three rookies coming in, like you're clearly looking in a different direction. You know, I think that they, they just drafted Josh Primo number, I think, 11 last year in the lottery as well. He's still really young. They like him. So I'm not saying all these guys are going to be good, but I do think that this at least opens up the opportunity for if they are going to be good, you're going to find out. So I think there's a world where not, I don't think they get better, but I don't think that they are guaranteed to be a bottom three team. I mean, look, if they are a bottom three team, I will say next year's draft is the draft to do it. Uh, because, you know, you look at like a guy like Victor Wimbanyama, coming out like that's a guy that's worth it you know what I mean like I don't think it would have been worth it to me if I got Paolo or Chet or Jabari Smith to be tanking this past draft like you know what I mean I think next year's draft is has been rumored to be the best draft you know down the pipeline back in 2020 people are like you know or 2021 you know the 2023 draft is going to be this and that this and that people have been talking about these guys they were 16 years old um so I guess it's now is the time if you're ever going to do it, especially maybe if you think it's like you get one guy and then you maybe start turning it around in, in, in a shorter amount of time. You know, I don't think this is like an OKC situation where they're just going to like try to be bad for the next five years. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think there's a world there's a world where they're not quite like awful, but I mean, they're obviously not a playoff team regardless. I think this is a deal that you do if you're trying to be like awful because like them not getting any play like Gallinari is probably going to get bought out like they're not getting back any players that are going to make them a you know improve their roster you know as it is without without Murray being on it and so you know it's pretty much and the picks that they got like you said they aren't really picks like the Hornets pick is protected so it's not going to be a top 10 pick unless the Hawks just go to hell in the next five years like those picks aren't going to be either. And so this, this seems like the, one of the primary motivations for this almost has to be like 
being one of the absolute worst teams in the league, which like I kind of have a follow-up question if that is the motivation because since the new lottery odds now, I mean, even if you have the worst record, you only have like a 14% chance of getting the number one overall pick. So, I mean, it was never guaranteed, but now it's even more of a crapshoot. Are there more guys outside of, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but Victor, Victor W, I'll call him that. Like, is there another, <laughs> another guy or another two or three guys that's like potential to be like star, not good player, but like, better than DeJounte Murray type guys. Oh, yeah, I would – I would. well, I mean, I, I guess better than DeJounte Murray is hard. I will say that – I wouldn't say that – I think your question more so is do I think this is a one-person draft? I would say no. I would say that Victor Wembanyama is like an Anthony Davis-type prospect, so that's why people are so excited. But even in Anthony Davis's draft, he wasn't necessarily the only player who turned out to be really good. You know what I mean? Like that uh, – I think it was 2011, was a very good draft overall, you know? So I think a guy like Scoot Henderson, for example, who's a guard who's like who, – who played in the G League Ignite last year as a 17-year-old. Like, he skipped his senior year of high school and averaged 15 points and five assists in the G League Ignite last year, and he's playing the G League Ignite again this year and then will be eligible for the draft. Uh, a guy like that is is really – is up there in terms of – like, he was – like, he like I would take him – way ahead of Jaden Ivey, for example, to give you context, like who got drafted number five to the Pistons. I think Scoot Henderson is a way better point guard prospect. Uh, and there's some other guys, you know, every year there's always guys, um, you know, there's a couple of Duke guys who are good. Um, the Duke guy that went to Baylor, uh, Kenyatta George is, is very good. Like there's like, it's a, it's a very good draft, but people definitely get the most hype over those two particular guys for sure. So I would say that, if you're one or two, I feel like you're feeling like you might have a franchise savior. I don't know if you have like five guys you feel that way about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if that's the case, I think it, it I mean, you know, it's, it's such a, like I said, it's a crapshoot with the lottery odds. Like, you know, they could have the worst record or the second worst record and still kind of get screwed based on how it bounces. But, um, you know, obviously it's more about just, you know, being bad this year for them, you know, with them getting this, these other picks, maybe that's something that even if you're not waiting until those, the, the year of those picks, if you package that for a trade for something else or something of that nature, like basically this, this just extends their window of flexibility. Because like you said, with DeJounte, you know, they were going to have to give that, that max contract pretty soon. I don't know if it was this off season or, or next off season, but as soon as they sign on to that, like they don't, they don't have a, a bunch of other big contracts on the roster. So they probably still could have made some moves building around. I mean, the DeJounte. thing is now, the thing is now I will say, and, I, and I'm not necessarily judging them in terms of they're going to be awful because doing that Gallinari trade that they did, like, like they have so much cap space now that they have to go out and sign people. Like they have, a, they're, like there's a minimum in terms of what you have to spend in the NBA and they yeah. have to go get do something. So I don't know if that, I don't think that means that they're going to go sign the best free agent, but they will have to add veterans on this team in order to meet the salary minimum. Now, I'm not sure if that's a situation where all of a sudden now they're taking on bad contracts. Like, I could see, for example, uh, one rumor I saw that I actually thought was was very interesting was uh, Gordon Hayward. A lot The Hornets don't want to go into the tax paying Miles Bridges the max. Gordon Hayward has two years, 60-something million dollars left on his contract. Like, now all of a sudden the Spurs and maybe a couple other teams, maybe OKC, maybe still the Pistons, or a team where you say Hornets will take that contract and you, you know, give us a second round pick, first round pick or whatever. And now you take Gordon Hayward. Like I'm not saying the Spurs will do that, but that's 
just there's just so many options now that I'm just I just want to give it a little more time to fully see their direction uh, before I make any final calls on this is like one of the three worst teams in the league. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that would be the best route in terms of like taking on bad contracts in order to bring in picks. Kind of like what we've seen the uh, the Pistons doing a little bit so far this offseason, even though it's early on. They've already right. took that next trade at New Orleans Noel. Um, because like I don't I don't really like believe in like just signing. I mean, I guess they have to to a degree, but like that, that offseason where they signed Zach Collins and McDermott to like two-year contracts just to spend money because they had it like I think you don't really get anything out of that like even though the guys take up cap space like they aren't guys you probably want to want to be part of your long-term future whereas compared to like you said maybe it's the, the Hayward deal or some other you know player that's not maybe not a great player but has a big contract to to get those picks I feel like that's a better use of of resources going about it that way yeah no I agree I mean and again I'm not the Spurs have a new GM like he didn't even even get announced like people don't even didn't know that they got a new GM. They got a new GM, maybe I think about two years ago, um, which I feel like you could kind of see in terms of how the Spurs have been moving for the past two years in terms of trading, you know, Murray, trading Derek White. Uh, you know, they traded DeMar last offseason. Uh, just coming in with a new time, line of thinking. And I've liked a lot of his moves that he's made so far. Like, I like, you know, I think Doug McDermott is solid. I think Zach Collins is solid, like, for what their roles are. Like, they weren't, you know, they were fine signings or whatever. Uh, especially if they were like, especially if the Spurs were better, like I feel like having a Doug McDermott off your bench, you know, would be pretty good. Like Doug McDermott could have played for the Celtics in the finals, you know, like if the Celtics would have yeah. liked to have Doug, Doug McDermott, for example, you know what I mean? Uh, so, I mean, we'll see. I think, I think that it is, it is likely that they are trying to be bad. Um, but I do think that even if they are trying to be bad, that there's enough young talent on the roster that they might not be as bad as they would like to be. Yeah, I mean, Greg Popovich still being the head coach, like I can't see him like. Yeah, like Greg just being like I'm just yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, even yeah. if they you know I mean? they might be bad that enough is- to where like they have to tank because they just aren't winning games. But like Greg isn't going to be out there. Yeah, we're just going to lose tonight. I don't care. Yeah, and that, and that's and, and and that's kind of what I mean. Like that's part of the equation as well. Like I don't think that they're just giving up on the season, or I don't think that they're just going to just put out a bunch of like a G League roster you know what I mean like I think that they're going to be intentional in you know playing young guys developing young guys like I said a lot of people like their draft picks I'm not a big like banker on this guy's gonna be good as a rookie so like I I I really like that they got Sohan from the Baylor because he was a guy who's like 6'9 6'10 who I think every team needs like he's you know a Draymond Greeny type player Sean Marion type like you know what I mean? Like those those guys that can do a lot of things and don't necessarily have to score. Um, a lot of people like the guy they got out of Ohio State, uh, Branham, and at twenty, um, you know, Jay Billis said that that was you know the player outside of the lottery that he liked the most. You know, not you know who knows what this really means in the long run. Um, you know, he could be very wrong, Jay Billis, but obviously he's watching more college basketball than me, so it's gonna at least make me feel good. Yeah. Um, about the selections, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people like Blake Wesley at twenty five. A lot of people really like like the Spurs picks. Like I didn't see anyone giving them lower than like a B plus on their draft rates. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Fair. You know, like you know, when you're bringing in three rookies, like who? Like there's a world that two out of those three are like pretty good, and now you're looking at a team that you weren't expecting. You know what I mean? So like that's what I'm saying. I just need to see closer to like training camp. Let's see how the off season continues to progress, so I can actually look at the depth chart. 
you know, for example, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Lonnie Walker. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's still very much up in the air. I do think it's also interesting uh, looking at it from the Hawks' perspective. Like, do you think this makes them a top team in the East now? Like, do they – like, I mean, they have a good backcourt. I, mm. I struggle to imagine Trey Young and DeJounte Murray working together because they both feel like on-ball players. So it'll be interesting to see which player starts to develop the off-ball. I mean, obviously, Trey has the shooting to do that, but we haven't seen it in college or NBA in terms of him running off. Like, it's easy to say, oh, just run him off screens like Seth, but, like, is he capable of doing that? Does he have the conditioning to do that? Does he have the skill to shoot off the dribble or, excuse me, on the move uh, the same way as Steph? You know what I mean? Like, he's a smaller guy. So, it's, so that, I don't know if that's, like, a guarantee, uh, but obviously very possible. But, yeah, I don't know. What are you, what are you seeing? Because they didn't give up anything. So, it's like they have – they just added DeJounte Murray to the team, basically. Yeah, I think Murray has more experience playing on and off the ball in terms of, like, switching back and forth between the two just because of how his career arc evolved with the Spurs. Like, he wasn't always – like, Trey, from the moment he was drafted, it was like, this is your team, go go. Like, everything's going to run through you. And, like, DeJounte had just gotten to that point. And so, right. you know, I, th- I feel like he's less – he's not as ball-dominant as Trey Young, so I don't really view it as a, a redundancy or anything of that nature. But I do think that the person who's going to have to change a game more is going to be Trey because – the way he plays now, it's not quite like how Luca plays, but it's pretty close in terms of like he just has the ball for most of the shot clock and everything runs to him. Everybody else is just standing there waiting to shoot. Um, I, I think they'd be better off with DeShante sort of being the traditional point guard. And then Trey Young kind of does shift into that. You know, what we saw from Steph when Draymond was really, you know, in his prime and as a facilitator and, and Steph was basically like a, a supercharged two guard. But like Trey Young, like you said, we haven't really seen him play that way, like in terms of coming off the screens or moving around when he doesn't have the ball. And, you know, the thing with him is like Trey, you know, he takes like the volume of a great three point shooter, but he's really just like been a good three point shooter for most of his career. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm not sure he's like he's, he's a little bit streaky still when it comes to the, to the three. And so if he is playing more off ball and let's say he's having an off night for his three, like where else is his value offensively or, or there isn't more, you know, do they stagger it, you know, minutes with these guys, you know, to kind of take turns on maybe how, how the Rockets used to do with, with Russ and James Harden type situations. I mean, there's, there's a few ways they could spin it. Like the good part for them is they have a pretty like deep and versatile roster with a bunch of wings. And so there's a bunch of different lineup combinations that they could use, not just to start the game, but, but throughout a game. So I think with a, with a, good coach a solid coach like there, there's ways to figure it out but it's definitely going to take some adjustments some things that we haven't seen in terms of Trey Young's game because I don't think they can just have you know DeJounte slide into the two guard role and, and Trey keep playing like he, he is and like DeJounte can hit threes but he's not like yeah he's definitely just, not a shooter and that's and that's my that was my biggest thing in terms of feeling like it has to be Trey off ball just because I don't know. Like, I just don't see DeJounte as that type of shooter to be as effective. Like, when we saw him with DeRozan, not last year, but the year before, he wasn't nearly as good as when DeRozan left and then he got to kind of do his own thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily have to. Like, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like you have to be, like, a, a good three-point shooter to, to be, like, a traditional shooting guard. Because, like, for example, with, with DeRozan, like, him and before he got hurt, him and Lonzo Ball 
last year with the uh, with the Bulls. They were playing pretty well together. I know they kind of like that's true, they but mix back know, and forth with Zach Levine. Got to have that. Dejounte's got to have that that skill that DeRozan has to make up for it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's they're they're definitely banking on upside. That's what is. That's kind of you know with, with the Spurs, it was the best chance to, to if you're going to sell on Dejounte, this is the time to do it because he just made his first All Star game. Uh, he hasn't had his max deal yet. He's, he's sort of an ascending player. We're still figuring out what he's going to be. Um, and, and that, you know, him not being on a huge deal yet, that made him more tradable. And then also that made it more appealing to teams of like, this guy is still ascending. Like we, he's not fully formed yet. And so the Hawks, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they've, they've been in this zone for a while where they're taking a bunch of high, guys, high picks and that kind of stuff. But now they're starting to kind of get more into Add an established players as they're, they're, they're trying to win with Trey Young. But, and I think DeJounte is kind of like the good mix of like he's established in the sense that he's an all star, but like he's still ascending so he can get better from here. Um, and so I think it fits their timeline. It's just a matter of does he end up being as good as they think they, that they think he is? I mean, three first round picks is a pretty, um, even though the picks aren't like super like great. I mean, like, you know, it's probably like it's probably comparable to maybe a little bit less than like that Drew Holiday trade when the Bucks got him. And like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure I would say like DeJounte Murray is better than Drew Holiday, but he's probably like close to around what Drew Holiday was. But I think that for this trade to work out, I think the Hawks are banking on him being like at least Drew Holiday or, or a little bit better than Drew Holiday. And so it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, and that's a good line. It's, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause I feel like DeJounte definitely has some qualities better than Drew Holiday, but I feel like Drew Holiday fits next like would you rather have drew holiday next to Giannis or DeJounte Murray next to Giannis like I think it's more than just who's a better player but who fits better on a championship yeah. team in that role because I think they're both third options on a championship team that maybe sometimes could be a second option yeah. when they're playing well you know yeah I would rather have drew on the bucks just because he's a better shot maker and not just like not just in terms of being able to shoot but like he can create off the dribble and get his own bucket from like all the way out to the three-point line. Like, DeJounte, he can't get a bucket, but mostly it's, like, in the painted area or, like, mid-range area. But the difference is that, like, Drew is playing next to a player in Giannis who, like, he can shoot a, he shoot a little bit better, but he's more mostly paint-dominant, down-low type guy, whereas Trey is is the shooter. You know what I mean? And so, like, DeJounte doesn't right. necessarily have to, you know, he's he's filling, filling in for different weaknesses in terms of who the best player is or, you know, so. Yeah. I think it's a little bit different, but, like, if he's that tier of player, um, I think it, it ends up being worth it for them. I don't know if that because they're you know they're trying to get to the finals. I mean, they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals before, and like you know they're making moves and, and trying to to make a finals run and, and seeing if they can win a chip. I don't I don't think this. I have to see it first. You know what I mean? Like I have to see Dejounte hit think, that other tier and see them fit together right. before I'm in on them competing with teams like the Celtics and. And the other, you know, kind of bucks and, and other elite teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see. I think it'll it'll be it'll be an interesting fit uh, for both for both sides in terms of how they're moving forward. I mean, I, I would I don't know where you rank the Hawks. I guess like fifth. Yeah, I'm mean, like fourth, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. You know, they're probably like not that far from like the the Sixers. Yeah, because, like, another thing with the Hawks is, like, they generally have players, a lot of players who, like, haven't had durability concerns, whereas some of the other teams in the East, like the Sixers with, with Joel Embiid and then James Harden or the Nets with, with KD and, and Kyrie, like, and Ben Simmons, like, 
a lot of the, the really good teams in the East have had like injury bugs. And so like, even if the Hawks aren't necessarily better than them, they could end up higher seeded just because like they're younger and they haven't had that many injury issues. So like, I, I can see them finishing like fourth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a team yeah. that based on the matchup could get to the second round, but I don't think they're like an Eastern conference finals team right now. Yeah, probably not. I, the last thing I'll say on this before we uh, move on to some fake trades is that I'm, I'm, very happy that the Spurs did this if you would tell me that and I think the most likely outcome would be if you don't do this and you just kind of build around the Jonathan Murray as your best player because you probably aren't going to get a better player in free agency and you're probably not high enough to get a better player in the draft uh it's sounding it's sounding a lot like the Washington Wizards you know it's sounding a lot like where you know what I mean like now all of a sudden you're staring at 250 million to Brad Bill. And like, don't get me wrong, Brad Bill one is better than DeJounte Murray. Uh, but two is not worth 250 million. And DeJounte Murray's max in a year from now wouldn't have been that much different than 250 for five years. You know what I mean? So if you're telling me those are my options, I think I'd rather go that Spurs route than what the Wizards were trying to do when trying to, you know, trade for Russell Westbrook because we want to make the playoffs. Now we trade for Kyle Kuzma and KCP because we still want to try to make the playoffs, but change it. Now we're going to trade for Porzingis. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff. And I, you know, what you don't really have, you don't have anything to show for it in terms of playoff wins, playoff series wins. Uh, and now your asset, your biggest asset, best asset, Bradley Bill, is a diminished asset relative to where he was maybe two years ago, you know? Yeah. And I think. You know, like the, the line between the Wizards and the Raptors is like smaller than it seems. Like obviously it looks great for the Raptors now because they want a chip, but like they weren't going to unless Kawhi Leonard suddenly became available. You know what I mean? And they had a, a were able to trade and bring him in. Um, so they could have easily ended up being the Wizards if like Kawhi never fell out with the Spurs, you know? Um, so like it, it take you definitely gotta catch lightning in the bottle to kind of be that that middle tier team. Like the Blazers are another one that they're still just kind of like just kind of hanging out. Like, they're solid, they're respectable, but we know they ain't going nowhere. You know what I mean? And, like, the Spurs have been yeah. competitive for so long that the fan base probably would prefer that over, like, being terrible. But I think it's – the way you have to look at it is, like, with DeJounte and, like, some of the solid role players that they have, they're probably never going to be bad enough unless Mike gets hurt to, like, get, like, an elite draft pick. And then it's like, do you have enough – would you have enough if you – let's say you gave DeJounte the max – like with, with those guys that you've, you've been drafting and developing, would they get good enough to the point where you could trade them in a package for for a star? You know what I mean? Basically doing what the Hawks just did. Like, you know, you have Trey Young as like your centerpiece and they have a bunch of other solid guys, basically. And then eventually they got to the point where they pulled the trigger. They did it with, pick, with picks instead of players, but basically get to the point where they had enough assets to go get a second guy. And it's like, it's hard to know that because you don't know really, you know, who's going to be available in any given year, what the asking price is going to be, you know, how your young guys are going to pan out exactly. And so they took the more straightforward route of just, at least in my opinion, looks like they're going to be pretty bad and trying to get a good, really good player in a draft this year and then figuring it out from there. So can't really knock yep. it. I mean, like it's, other you know, it's kind of like I said, the, the standard way is either you know you, you tank or you, or you load up on stars and, and you know they weren't in a position where right now they could go trade for another star like they didn't have the assets to go do that in this moment and so they they chose to blow it up instead 
All right, Sashan. So, so enough about the real trades. Let's get into the more fun stuff, which is the uh, fake trades. So I got a few fake trades here. Uh, Kyrie opting in messed up some of my fake trades, uh, but we still have a couple uh, for a couple different players. Uh, so I'm just gonna, you know, give you, you know, I went in the trade machine, did a little research. Some most of these trades work. You know, the trade machine's kind of messed up right now because a lot of contracts are like up in the air and you know, restricted free agency and all and all that stuff. But you know, we can we can kind of talk these things out. Um, so I'll start with DeAndre. I was gonna start with Kyrie, but now that he's opted in, I feel like he's just gonna stay in Brooklyn on that one year and ride it out. Um, you know, the only team I think that ultimately wanted him in any shape or form was the Lakers, but did not have the assets. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so we're going to start with DeAndre Ayton. Um, first team. I, I wanted to say a Piston sign-in trade. They did draft or get Jalen Duran at the, at, at the drafts, excuse me. Uh, so they have a center. Uh, they still have a lot of cast space, though. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see if they feel like they still won Ayton and kind of just have Duran as a backup. It doesn't really make as now uh or if they just got duran to use in a trade to get deandre Eaton, you know maybe the suns just want a young center back and they yeah. would rather have a more proven center you know maybe duran is just a trade asset um so i think there's still a world where the pistons are very much in play uh for deandre Eaton, and now you kind of have a big three with Cade. you know you ivy is good and then you have deandre Eaton, who's still young he's only like 23 uh, and you hope that they all grow together. DeAndre Ayton, you know, kind of being that leader. You know, they got Speak Bay as well. Um, so, I don't know. What are, you, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, kind of like our, our beat writer at the Athletic, James Edwards, like he's kind of been reporting that it seems like the Pistons, you know, they're fine kind of run, running with this young crew that they've assembled because they weren't expecting to come out of out of the draft with, with Ivy and Duran both you know, maybe getting one of them, but both of them was, was kind of something that they didn't really view as being possible until the Knicks uh, did Knicks things. Um, but that could also just be like, you know, leverage talk and, and smoke signals to kind of lower this, the Suns theoretical asking price for DeAndre Ayton. Um, I think the Pistons, like with the way that their timeline is set up, and I know like like you said, Ayton is younger, but you would have to give him that extension you know, have him making big money, you know, right. I mean, some, you got to pay somebody. They traded Jeremy Grant. You got to pay somebody. Yeah. I mean, they did. They took on a good amount of salary with the Knicks trade adding, adding uh, Burks and, and Noel. Um, yeah, so, they, so they could theoretically sign somebody else, you know, to like a decent deal. And, you know, they, they'd be at, they'd be at the, you know, the, the rule limit that they have to be at. So they don't necessarily have to make a big sign in this offseason. And so, like, they could, you know, end up determining, eh, like, Aiden, like, he's cool, but maybe he's not that guy in, in terms of, like, being the big three type guy. And then they just see what they can get moving forward. Um, like, it still makes sense to me. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think, you know, that rookie is going to be an Aiden-tier player right away. I guess he could be in, in theory, but I don't I don't see it. Um, they don't really have another big of that caliber on their roster. Um, you know, most of their the good players on their team are perimeter-oriented guys um and so you know especially with k being you know he's he's a scorer you know but he has a lot of he's a good distributor and he has you know i wouldn't say pass first but he he looks to get his teammates involved so i think he, and and does it earlier on in the shot clock which i think you know aiden that's 
part of his issue with the Suns is playing with CP3, who, as we all know, pounds the rock, and then Devin Booker is looking to get his buckets. And so he kind of just gets lost in the mix offensively. So I think he would he would get I think he would be happy in Detroit in terms of his role and Detroit would be better off for it. It's just a matter of if Detroit feels like they can wait and get somebody better moving forward, which they probably could, you know, but that's never a sure thing. You don't know for sure who's going to be available that, you know, you might think a guy's going to hit free agency and he ends up resigning for four years with his team and now you're just sitting there. And so, um, you know, I, I think if they have a reasonable deal with the Suns for DeAndre Aiden, I would do it. Like if I was the Pistons, like I wouldn't like you're the Detroit Pistons. You can't really bank on like, you know, these top tier players wanting to come to you in free agency every year. Even if Cade is really good and um, Ivy is good, like it's you're still the Detroit Pistons, right? There's never been a team that's like signing these super free agents like that. And so, if if a guy like Aiden, and like I said, he's young, he's he's probably still ascending at this point in his career. Um, if you think he has a certain level of upside and, and the Suns are on board with it, I would do it personally. But I can see them, you know, their logic for maybe passing on it. All right, all right. I got some better ones for you. That was just a warm-up. That was just a warm-up. How about the Bulls? You know, swap Aiden for Vucevic. The Bulls throw in a pick. Uh, maybe another player, depending on the DeAndre Aiden Um uh, Sign and trade situation, you know, line up those salaries. Um, but more or less, a Busevich for Aiton swap. How are we feeling about that one? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know why the Suns would do that, but like if, if, <laughs> if I was the Bulls and you, well, the Suns too? are doing it because you're not paying Busevich the max. They don't True. want to pay the luxury tax. True. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was the Bulls, I'm absolutely doing that because like while Busevich is like a good scorer and, you know, solid solid rebounder sometimes like he's pretty inconsistent as a rebounder right. he's, he's, he's but now a, now what if the bulls have to throw in patrick williams yeah i mean that's fine with me i don't i don't really like I don't what know, patrick, they really like him they, I've, I've heard a lot of Kawhi talk about patrick williams they can like him but like you have if you're giving levine his new deal and you have DeRozan, you have lonzo ball you have caruso like how many like backcourt wing minutes do you really have to get a Patrick Williams you know what I mean like where does he fit in like is he gonna play the I guess he would play with the four maybe yeah I guess and yeah. like I is mean, he really gonna be that figure, good? or you just have a six man or you just you know have him a six man yeah I mean like, I can trade my six man for for a, a sizable upgrade at center which I think Aiton over Vucevic is and it just it aids a lot of their defensive roles because while their the perimeter defense is pretty good with Lonzo Caruso, Caruso like their paint defense, because they usually put DeRozan there like the four, I'm pretty sure. So they're already small, and then their center is like cake on defense. And so like they're just getting killed in the paint by some of those. That's why the Bucks always killed them when they played this season. So like I think that that would just be like a major weakness field for them if they got Aiden for, for Vucevic. Yeah, all right, fair enough. All right, last one for Aiden. Uh Memphis Grizzlies. You got Steven Adams, one year expiring contract. Throw in a pick or two. Maybe you throw in, you know, a guy like Xavier Tillman or uh, maybe, you know, one of the, you know, Tyus Jones or, you know, they got a lot of guys on that bench. You know, they could, you know, send back over Kyle Anderson in a, in a trade as well. Um, you know, how, uh, what, are we, what are we saying there? Memphis. I think is that enough for the Suns? I don't. I don't know. I feel like the Suns will want. I feel like the Suns will want more than that. I feel like they they would want one of. 
like the Memphis is like core guys. You know what I mean? Oh uh, well, then that's yeah. not happening. That's not happening. Might as well just move on from there. Might as well yeah. just move on. It's like a good, good thought. All right. How about we got Rudy Gobert? You know, I think hmm. there's some some opportunity there. I think one of those Utah guys have to get traded, and I think it's Gobert. Uh, how are we liking Rudy Gobert to the Charlotte Hornets? The Charlotte Hornets send back Gordon Hayward, send back Mason Plumlee, send back PJ Washington, maybe a, maybe a first round pick. They get Rudy Gobert, and maybe they get a guy like I don't know, like Eric Pascal or, or Rudy Gay. Yeah, from the Jazz, I'm telling the Hornets to go to hell on that one. It's you don't want age. you don't want Gordon Hayward back. <laughs> I mean, I I guess that'd be cool to like do a tribute video <laughs> and have some a certain certain uh, demographic of their fan base still attending the games. But nah, man, nah, not for Rudy. Like Rudy gets a lot of a lot of shit for like the screen assists and like getting cooked by the Clippers in the playoffs. But Rudy is like. Really, 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 really good on defense and rebounding. Like, you know, I mean, he's he's a good lob. Like, I I I would need more than that. I need more than that. Short harness would have to give me like some unprotected, set multiple, especially Dejounte Murray is one for three first round picks. Like, I think Gobert is like on that caliber of player, probably better than Dejounte Murray, probably. Um, yeah, I'm gonna need more than one first in a bad contract for him. All right, how about the Hornets? acquire Miles Turner. You know, they give up a first-round pick. They give up Kelly Uber. They give up maybe Cody Martin, James Booknight, or P.J. Washington as well to the to the Pacers. Yeah, I would do that if it was the Hornets. I don't know. The Pacers, I've been trying to figure out why they're so, like, I understand why they're trying to get rid of Malcolm Brogdon because um, they traded for homeboy from the Kings. Um, what's his name? White skin. Uh Halliburton um yeah so I, I get clearing a role out for him but I don't I don't get why they want to move Miles Turner so bad I really like I know he's not like a great player but he's like a good prototypical modern big he's like relatively athletic a good defender he can shoot a little bit you know he can he can score around the basket but like for some reason they really want him gone and so um but yeah if I was a Hornets like you know I, I think especially what you have in you know Lamelo Ball I don't think he's ever going to be that much of a defender or trial that much on defense and so you're going to need somebody in that paint that can kind of clean up his mess um and I think Miles Turner he's not like Rudy Gobert or anything like that but I think he's solid enough in that area and he kind of gives him a little bit more off uh, offensive versatility they're they're very like perimeter oriented team and if it's not going there they don't really have much else to do and so he gives them more room to kind of mix it up so I think that'd be a good deal and, and maybe that's enough for the Pacers like I said they seem to like really want to get rid of him so maybe that first round pick uh, depending on the protection, protections is enough to to get it done for him. All right, are we talking about Miles Turner to the Raptors? You know, maybe for uh, OG and an OB. Hmm. Um, that's a weird one. Uh, the Pacers have a center anymore after that? I guess they don't care. Um, they get, they got you know maybe maybe they'll get like a Kim Birch or like some backup yeah. center for the Raptors, you know, and then and then they'll trade you know, I don't know some backup shooting guard, you know, TJ McConnell or something to back to the yeah. you know. I think if I was, yeah, I think if I was the Raptors, I'd be like a little because with Siakam playing the four, 
and not being like they, they basically would have like two okay shooters at the four and the five who are like six ten or taller which is like more of like a throwback thing i, I guess i would say like in terms of the, the twin i wouldn't say siakam's a tower but like having two like real bigs um in their line who could also shoot i mean because they have yeah. they play pretty well i think with chris boucher but he's just inconsistent like miles turns like a better version of chris boucher yeah i think i think i would because i know they like og a lot but like um i think he's kind of expendable because they i feel like they're another team that has a bunch of those kind of like guys like those lanky wings who can play a couple different positions and defend a couple different positions and like og like he's not like that great offensively like he can hit an open shot and he's athletic but he's not like somebody you go to to get buckets or anything like that so like if he's just mostly a long lanky perimeter defender i feel like you can replace that so i would do that if i was the raptors um and i think for the pacers that's probably a better that's definitely a better deal for them than the the hornets even though they don't get a pick out of that one like you know right away like og is a solid like rotational player and i know i think he's up for an extension but i don't think he'll be like too crazy expensive so um or even or too much more expensive than miles turner was so i think that'd be a a pretty solid deal for both sides all right, I got two more trades for, for centers. This one is the Rudy Gobert one I forgot. I only did one Rudy Gobert trade. Forgot the second one. Now, now stay with me. Hawks go all in on a big three of Rudy Gobert, Trey Young, and DeJounte Murray. And they trade John Collins, Clint Capella, and a first-round pick. Hmm. Hmm. That's a lot. But I mean, you got to think you're you're trying to click up. I mean, there's no wall roster that's gonna have Capella and Rogo Bear, yeah, on it together. That doesn't make any sense. So, you, like, that's kind of a wash. It's kind of like, like you're not really losing Capella. You're upgrading Capella. So you're just trading John Collins basically in a pick. You already you already trying to trade John Collins, and you're getting Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I mean, like since they were willing apparently to give up John Collins for. Uh for uh DeJounte and the DeJounte deal like you know clearly they aren't too attached for him I think he makes he makes way too much goddamn money for John like John Collins is cool but he makes like max almost max money and nah like Capella makes pretty good money too so like I would how's the Hawks for sure, for sure I think for sure because they still have even losing Collins they would still have DeAndre Hunter um Bogdanovich and um Herter so they still have a pretty nice collection of wing type players I would I would consider I guess Collins is, is is more of a center for them, but I think yeah, he's, he's more of a power forward. I think he's really that. a power forward, though. No, he's like, definitely a power forward, but like yeah. he plays backup center basically when he yeah. follows out. I mean, yeah. that was before. I mean, they do have a Congo still, so he plays some center as well. Yeah, so I guess like with the Hawks, in theory, your lineup there is Trey Young, Dejounte at the two, probably Bajanovich. I would guess for more shooting at the three, maybe Hunter at the four. And then you go Gobert at the five. That's probably that might be like a top three East team right there. I, I would do say if you got Rudy Gobert with Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, DeJounte Murray, still got Herder off the bench. Uh Kong Wu. I guess you gotta figure out who's playing that four, or maybe you slide the Hunter to four. Yeah, um, I was thinking Hunter at the four, and then you start Bogdanovich at the three. Yeah, maybe. Or her yeah, or Herder. Um I Over think they still got some. They got some. They got some other guys. They still got things that like go on right and some, some other yeah. guys. But if they trade for Rudy Gobert now, does that make them a top team? I think so. I will put them probably like I still. I still don't know about top two. I, I still because I, I, it all rides on how that backward shakes out. 
and it's like it could go really bad maybe not really bad but it could be like mid like if, if Trey Young can't play that Steph Curry role which is not guaranteed like there's a reason that Steph Curry is really like the only guy that plays that way to that level and has that level of success um but if that backcourt did work out, for sure, I would say like a top three seed. But the Jazz, I think, I guess the, the reasoning for them is, um, you know, like Capella is basically like Gobert light. Light. You know, right. like he's not, exactly. as, not as good at anything that Gobert does, but he can do those same things. And then Collins gives you more of kind of a scoring, you know, scoring punch at that four spot. I don't even know who their four is right now. I, I think they're a team that plays small, so they probably have – Yeah, they just uh, play like Royce O'Neal at the four. Yeah, like yeah. So I think having Collins there is better off for them. And, um, you know, you kind of – you know, you trade one of your big two without really hitting this reset. But like, not to say that they'd be a contender in the West, but they'd still be a playoff team with that that their roster. So um, I guess it doesn't really fix their, their issue of being kind of like a mid-level team. But it's a way of if there is friction between um, Gobert and, and um, uh, homeboy uh, over there, over Don. there, yeah, Donovan over there, COVID battles or some shit like that, then that'd be a way to, to move from Gobert. And you also get a pick out of it. And so, like, maybe you can get somebody with that. Um, again, I think the Hawks would be pretty good. So that pick probably wouldn't be too good, but you never know. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good deal for both sides. Um, I, don't, I don't know if the you money, like, if, if the jazz it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty close. I mean, okay. they're pretty much. I mean, if you Collins plus Capella, just about equals Rudy Gobert. Okay, so it'd be pretty, pretty two for one on that sense. They're both around twenty. Rudy Gobert's around forty. With that Damn. new max, he, he just signed a new that new. I max. forgot about that. He making forty million dollars. God damn. Yeah, he's, he's in that five year, two hundred something million range. Shit. All right. Hey, I mean, it's worth it to be a top three seed in the East. I would say. Yeah, but I'm saying, but now you, you, you mean the, Trey is getting an extension coming up, you know? Mm-hmm. He's DeJounte Murray's getting an extension, and then you just trading for I'm saying, you're going all in on this big three. I would. Why not? I mean, it's not going to get too much better than that for them, I don't think. Like, yeah. Uh, who else see, could they? The, I'm going to propose that to Miles and see what he says. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right, let's see. Enough of the big man. Let's go to some guards. Just a couple more, then we're then we're out of here. Uh, Bradley Beal, uh, I think that he, you know, is very much can still be traded. He just opted out of his deal. I think he could definitely get signed and traded somewhere. I don't think he will. I think he'll sign, play a year, and then say this team stinks. I want to trade, similar to some other people we've seen in the past, um, who kind of you know lock up that money and then ask for a trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see. I was gonna say Denver, but they already made a trade. Uh, I thought they would could have traded Will Barton and Monty Morris, maybe Aaron Gordon and some picks for Bradley Bill, but mm-hmm. they already made a trade. Uh, Will Barton and Monty Morris went to the Wizards for Casey Peak, David Cole Pope, and Ish Smith. Um, so an interesting way for the Nuggets to avoid the luxury tax and still stay, you know, relatively the same. I think KCP fits better with a guy like Jokic in terms of just three and D spot up, you know, it Smith does a lot of things that Monty Morris does. Um, so I wasn't mad at that from either side. And I think the Wizards got better players, you know, so pretty even trade. That's not going to work. Um, how about a world where uh, Dallas trades, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. Who's 
going to be back from injury. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe Reggie Bullock, you know, some three and D depth. Uh, maybe throwing Christian Wood, have a little Christian Wood Porzingis combo for the Wizards. Uh, you know, maybe those three guys uh, for Bradley Beal. Uh, you know, so they, they, got, they, got a pick. they can throw a pick in. They can throw a pick in. Because yeah, if I'm the Wizards and like I'm, and if I'm trading Bradley Beal, I kind of, I, I don't kind of, I want to do what the Spurs do. I want a bunch of picks. All right, because I, I want to suck. Like, I want to be terrible. Because, like, the Wizards have been stuck in that zone of being, they are right for, like, 10 years now. And I think if they got those three players you just named, they wouldn't be a playoff team. They'd probably be, like, a 10th, 11th seed, 12th seed maybe, which is, like, you get, like, you know, but, like, with the eighth overall pick or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, right. So I, I would want to be worse than that. I, I would want to stink if I trade Bradley Bill. Or, you know, so I think that it sounds weird, but I think it's a little bit too player heavy for me if I'm the Wizards. And then on, the, on that side, you know, I, Luca gonna have to change something for that to work. Like he can't, you can't just, you can't just have Bradley Bill just spotting up in the corner. I mean, does, I mean, it's very true. I mean, he does, he's yeah. never played with a player as good as Bradley Bill. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, he, you know. Yeah, I, just, I, I wonder. Sometimes, yeah, I wonder if Luca. I wonder if Luca is more. Is he really white James Harden, or is he? Does he have that LeBron versatility in his game to like change his style of play based on who's around? We haven't had the chance to really see it, but I, right. I, I kind of fear he may be more like white James Harden. Yeah, no, I, I think he definitely leans towards James Harden and LeBron, but. You know he's young. As time goes on, I think I think we'll see. Um, yeah, very very much possible. I think with him, just with his style of play and like that, I'm sure you know. Obviously, he plays that way for a reason. That's why he averages you know these ridiculous numbers every year. Um, I almost think he'd be better with like a big trading for like a big, if that makes sense, like a star big. Than like another star perimeter player. I just think he, I think his game diminishes. It's not about Bradley Bill not being, you know, a really good player. It's more so like I think Lucas style would play would diminish the returns that you would get from Bradley Bill. Either that yeah, no. or they're going to have to like, maybe their vision would be like alternating the two and like um, kind of how this the CP3 Harden thing worked out. Not I mean, that, yeah, but they got to play together in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to figure it out at some point. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think the fit would be a little tricky. But, like, I, I think if I was the Mavs, I would still do it. But I think for the Wizards, I think they're going to – if they trade Bill, they're going to want a pick-heavy a pick heavy package, more so than, like, a player-heavy package. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, let's see. So I have some other like, people I think it would be more player-heavy, like Miami – Philadelphia, uh, you know, I think I think Philadelphia has picks to throw. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you like the picks, but it, it could be pick heavy, like Tobias Harris and a lot of picks. Uh, yeah, I think you know the Sixers picks could be interesting because it's like James Harden looks cooked. Like he may not be cooked, but he looks cooked. And then Joel and B gets hurt all the time. So like, even though you would think the Sixers would be like pretty good with that big three, 
they might not have a big three. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like being on the floor for an entire season or most of the season. So like if I was going to take a chance on like a trade and build to a good team and getting picks back, the Sixers would be one of those type of teams because it's like the chances of this like being a dumpster fire, like relatively like likely, you know? Yeah, no, it's definitely possible. I mean, you know, like Embiid, I feel like has an early, you know, shelf life relative to what I think we expect from star players. Like he's, you know, a big guy, started off injured. Hard for him to finish seasons in terms of injuries as well. Uh, so, you know, those those Sixers picks, you know, are pretty enticing. I agree, especially if you're talking like, you know, 2025, 2026. Um yeah, so I don't know. I think I think all these pick people also, for example, are interesting to look at. For example, like a Bradley Beal. Um, you know, I even thought like a Kevin Durant, if he was on the market, which I don't think he is anymore, for a team like the Pelicans who have players and picks. They have all those Lakers picks that I think are only going to get more and more valuable over time. Um, you know, just to make, you know, LeBron's getting older. The Lakers, you know, still haven't. We'll see what they do. You know, this is Westbrook's last year. Then we'll see what they do. Um, but the New Orleans is a sneaky team that, you know, they're waiting to catch in those chips for somebody, I think, you know. Yeah. I, their situation is so weird because obviously the big elephant in the room is, is Zion. And just That's body shaming. Hey, I mean, you see him. We all see him. Um like, I guess they're going to give him the max, it sounds like. Oh, definitely. Uh, full guarantee, which, yeah, man, that's, I get it, but like, uh, I would not, I would, I would, I would, I would be terrified of doing that shit. This is like coming off a foot injury, double, two surgeries in a year, looking huge. Like, he already wasn't really built to have like a super long career, probably. I don't know, man. But yeah, like you said, like they're they're gonna be building around Zion and, and Brandon Ingram. But outside of those two for Bradley Bill, what kind of were you were you thinking mostly? I guess with that one was it mostly like those Lakers picks and then maybe just like yeah. a solid player? Yeah, pretty much. If they're if you're gonna pick heavy, I mean they've got the picks, you know. Um, you know, a couple Lakers picks. Uh, you know, they got, you know, some guys like Carol Lewis, so a young guy who hasn't got much playing time. Maybe he's decent. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on a couple of the names that they have. I don't know if they would trade like Herb Jones, who was really good as a rookie, but he maybe is on the table. They really like Bradley Bill. Uh, I don't know yeah. what Bradley Bill's situation would be next to McCollum. That would be interesting. McCollum. I forgot they have McCollum. Yeah, McCollum, actually, So that might take him out to running. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like they would move McCollum McCollum to make that happen. I don't know how money wise. I think after giving Zion the max, I don't think they would be able to just slide Beal in. So maybe that's how they would do that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I was just thinking of teams that have a lot of picks. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think Portland is another team that, you know, maybe could cash in all their picks, say, hey, we'll give you, you know, Simons and Joe Ingles and a bunch of picks. And now we have Brad Beal and Dame instead of Brad. Dame and CJ McCollum, they have, you know, Brad Beal with Jeremy Grant. Now, so they are always, you know, randomly trying to win with Dame. So that's another team that could just trade in all their picks. Yeah. That one's the fit there is sounds smoother. Um, I know they really like Simons. Um, but I feel like Simons and I don't think Simons is gonna play that way next to Dame. 
if that makes sense. Like, That's think, what I mean. You had you send them to watch yeah. and watch and yeah. assignment for you, you know. Yeah, I would. I'd be into that if I was, because like with the Blazers, clearly the Blazers still think they can try to build around Dame with the Jeremy Grant trade. Um, like I would, but him alone is not enough to make them any. Uh, you know, not the trade for Bradley Bill does either, but um, that he's probably the most attainable star they could try to go get. Um, this is for the for the Wizards. I guess you know, kind of there with those picks, and if it turns out if it's the Blazers' picks, because they're not going to be, they may not be like a top three same team in the West, but they'd be pretty good. So those picks wouldn't, wouldn't be that great. But you know, Dame, you know, dealt with injuries for the first time last year. That could just be an anomaly. I guess you'd be maybe banking on that not being an anomaly um, moving forward um, in terms of being the Wizards and maybe getting a, a better return from those picks that you get back from Bill, but. I think that swap that swap sounds better than the the Pelicans one. I think. Cool. All right, and that's all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to get into the weeds of you know where could Tobias Harris go. I think he could probably go to the Kings, but you know, now that James Harden opted out, I think that Maury's definitely going to try to retool the team and then maybe re-sign James after the fact, or definitely figure something out. That that the fact that he opted out makes that situation very interesting. Um, I think this, you know, Daryl Morey definitely, you know, I think thinks that the team is not quite good enough to win. So he's going to be on some big moves to build around, build around Harden and Embiid. Um, but for now, um, these are all the hypotheticals I got. I'll have some more for you another time. Yeah, I think the I was, just, I was reading a story today and they kind of recapped what the Sixers traded for Harden. And like, I think they tweaked, but I know they had to, they had to. They had to trace Ben after what happened in the Hawks series and like the bad blood and all that. But like they gave up a lot of shit for James Harden, bro. And he looks cooked. Like he his numbers, his counting numbers look solid, but like his percentages was like awful. And like he just looks like he can't can't get by people anymore. Those those step backs aren't going down the same way. The defense was never a thing. Like I don't know. I feel like the Sixers are going to end up wasting this this Embiid prom. That's another discussion. But I was just looking at that. I was like, God damn, they get a lot for this cooked looking James Harden. It's tough for them. But at least he's opting out for less money, I guess. You know. Yeah, or just opting out for more years. One of the two. Yeah, could be both. Like yeah. less money per year, but more years. Yeah. Well, look, luckily for you, we you you dodged any Lakers talk. Um, yeah, it didn't do shit, you know. So it's, you know, didn't do it's shit. Just the same same team. I will make a lot of money on this year. People will talk themselves into LeBron and Anthony Davis being healthy again. You know, this team. You know, they they'll be a four seed, and they'll do. You know, then we'll see. And you know, if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, they're the then they're they're the best duo in the playoffs still. Even though LeBron's thirty seven, going on thirty eight, and blah blah blah. All right, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm just, I just want to hype the build so that when I'm betting against them, the lines just move in their favor as the public bets towards them. Yeah. I mean, like all those things are true, but, you know, like the, the, the chances of them both being healthy or, you know, like LeBron is, is pretty much outside of the bubble year, has been hurt every year he's been a Laker. AD has historically been hurt. So, like, banking on those two guys both being healthy at the same time isn't a, a great bet. But, if they are, you know what I mean? Like, 
Yes, exactly. If, they'll, if they'll, they are, exactly. they'll be in the playoffs that, at least. If they, I mean, are. they aren't. They aren't missing the playoffs. You know, some some crazy shit like that. They're both healthy, and not even just both healthy. But like last season, they both missed like a lot of fucking games. So it wasn't just like they like. I mean, I personally, I personally hope the Lakers make the playoffs because it's funnier when they lose. But I will say that it also would be funny if they don't make the playoffs because now all the picks that they're giving away are just going to keep getting lottery picks. So either way. At, like it will be a very funny ending. Yeah, um, I mean, like you do an amazing Russ, talk, but Russell Westbrook is going to be hooping in the Lakers jersey, and we For saw making the, forty-eight million dollars. Yeah, like what like, a time! We saw what that looked like last year. If it looks like that again, then you'll have plenty of jokes to get. Even if even if LeBron and AD are healthy, they play every game this season. If Russell Westbrook looks how he did last year, you're gonna have plenty of laughs watching the Lakers. So. Yeah, I just don't know how the Lakers will make them. How, how I don't know. I mean, they, they have a mid-level exception, I guess. Like, I guess they'll they'll sign one person at least. Uh, I didn't really like the guy they drafted. I don't think he'll be much of, of yeah. a contributor his first year. I, I wasn't really a fan of, of their draft pick. Uh, I mean, all they could do is draft in the second round. So, I mean, this is better than no one. But didn't yeah, I mean, think it was some some gem or anything like that. But we'll see. You know, every once in a while. There's always a second-round pick that comes turned turned out to be a lot better than we expected. So. Yeah, and their MLE can't go any worse than it did last year when Kendrick Nunn just didn't play basketball for a year. So, yeah, yeah, I guess you're getting Kendrick Nunn back. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Oh, it'll be it'll be great. It'll be glorious. Um, I'll let you see all my winnings. Don't worry. I mean, feel free to bet <laughs> with me. It'll make the season a lot better. Feel free to bet with me. Nah, man, I gotta I gotta abstain. I live in Vegas. It's too dangerous. If I catch the gambling bug, I might go bankrupt. Oh, I, I, I promise, I promise if you keep betting as the Lakers, you won't go bankrupt. <laughs> That's one thing I can promise.